Way of reminder, I want to give us some context again. It's important to be reminded of this, I think, as we go through Revelation. There can be some confusing kind of uh, places within the scriptures, uh, within Revelation, to keep our bearings straight. And so chapters 6 through 19 are future events. Chapter 6 through 19 are future events. And so that time period is a seven-year time period known as the Great Tribulation um, or the the Tribulation period. Um, I do not believe that we will be here during that time period. Um, Who I'm speaking of this morning is the church, um, the bride of Christ, Christians. Jesus will come for us before that seven-year period to snatch us away, to take us away from this place, 1 Thessalonians 4, um, Revelation 3, we saw it also. Jesus coming for us. In fact, he said... Let not your heart be troubled. Anybody's heart's troubled this morning? Here, tune in. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's glorious. We are encouraged also to comfort one another with those words. That we are not appointed unto wrath, the Bible says. But Jesus will come and get us before that time of wrath comes upon a Christ-rejecting world. And so we're looking forward to that blessed hope of the return of our Savior for us, to meet him in the air, to go to the Father's house, the place that he's preparing for you and for me. It's going to be a glorious day. And so in chapter 6 through 19, the church is no longer mentioned on earth. Oh, we see the church in heaven Chapter 4, chapter 5, this morning we're going to be reminded that the church will be in heaven again, worshiping and singing. And so um, I also want to remind us too that as we work our way through these verses in chapter 6 through 19, there is a chronological sequence. If you read it simply, there's a sequence, a chronological sequence that happens that is laid out for us with seven seals, seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven bowl judgments. And um, within these sequences, though, um, God puts the brakes on and gives us little intermissions or pauses. We saw that, if you remember with me, um, between the sixth and the seventh seal, as Jesus was opening the seals, between the sixth and the seventh seal, there was a pause, a parenthetical break, if you will, an intermission in chapter 7, where we saw, we were given further insight to what's happening during this time period, 144,000 Jews will get saved, they will give their lives to Jesus, and they will turn into radical evangelists. And in fact, the second half of that chapter, we will see there's a great awakening that happens on planet Earth during the tribulation period. People, Different peoples from tribes, tongues, nations will end up getting saved. And so, and that's one of the reasons for the tribulation um, that we're, gonna, we're learning about as we work our way through. Um, and then now in chapter 10, we've seen in chapter 10 through chapter 14, um, there's another parenthetical break that we've been looking at where we're giving more inf- given more information. You remember the last couple of weeks we were introduced to a mighty angel 
who was holding, what was he holding? Y'all remember? A little book, right? He gave it to John to consume, right? You guys remember that? And it was a little while back. And then we also learned about last week during this parenthetical break about the tribulation temple that will, will be rebuilt unauthorized by God. There's going to be an altar. There's going to be people worshiping in Jerusalem also during the tribulation period. And we were also introduced to how many witnesses last week? Two witnesses that will be there in Jerusalem on the scene sharing the gospel, um, the word being confirmed with some amazing signs and wonders too also during that time period. And now we pick up the chronological sequence again, but check this out. It only picks up for six verses. And it's going to be the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And then we're going to see another parenthetical break, another intermission, so we get some more information to help us understand what's going on during this time in the tribulation period. Does that make sense, y'all? If not, come see me afterwards and we'll talk more about it. And so... Um, Six verses, very, very encouraging. Six or seven verses this morning. They are super encouraging. Let's read through, and then we'll work our way through verse by verse. Here's what God's word says, verse 14. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty the one who is and who was and who is to come. And because, that's a reason word, because you have taken your great power and reigned, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and you should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was open in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. And so this next section, please notice in verse 14, it begins with a declaration. And when you hear, whoa, what does that mean? Is that like a horse? Stop, whoa, horse. Is that what we're talking about? Woe is, look out, warning, danger, get right, get right with God, get your heart right. Repent is the idea. And remember, there are seven trumpet judgments, okay? Seven trumpet judgments. The first four, you may remember, um, the first four deal with the physical earth, with planet earth. Those judgments that God um, brought forth, they dealt with planet earth. And then the last three deal directly with mankind. You guys may remember, remember the first two woes, what happened? There was two demonic invasions. The first invasion involved the torment of man, and then the second demonic invasion 
Um, there was uh, uh, lots of people getting killed on planet Earth during that time. And we talked about that. What does darkness want to do? Um, the demonic realm just wants to take life, to kill, to destroy. And so um, the first two woes, and then now the third woe um, is coming quickly. And this third woe speaks of, listen, speaks of judgment that will be unleashed now with the seventh trumpet being blown. What's the judgment being unleashed? Seven bold judgments that will happen. Now we're gonna see that will happen, it seems, during the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. And so let's look at this, verse 15, the seventh trumpet is blown by an angel, and what happens? All of heaven, check it out, all of heaven explodes with praise, voices on full blast, right, proclaiming, this amazing news, and there's two components. Look at the amazing news this morning. Number one, what does it say? This world's kingdoms now belong to who? Now belong to our Lord and of his Christ. The world's kingdoms belong to the Father, and who's his Christ? It speaks of Jesus, the Messiah. So the world's kingdoms now belong to the Father and the Son. And let me remind us, the Father and Son are always a combo deal, aren't they? Jesus said, I and my Father are, are one. They're inseparable. And so the kingdoms are now belong to the Lord. And uh, it's interesting because remember what, it, what happened to John back in chapter 5? Remember there was no one worthy under, in heaven, on earth under the earth to take the scroll, the planet, the, the, the title deed to planet earth, to, un, to open up the scroll, to open its seals. There was no one found worthy to take that title deed and to own it, to take it, to take responsibility. And remember what happened to John when he heard that? What did he do? He wept. Why? Because this earth would continue in the same condition that it's in right now forever and ever and ever unless something would be done. And so it's, it's, it's interesting, though, to look because the world's not getting better and better, is it? Is the world getting gooder and gooder? No, no way, man. It's getting worse. Jesus told us that it would happen. It's going to get worse. The birth pangs that are going to ramp up with more intensity and more frequency. This place is getting more brutal, more wicked. We see the effects of sin in our lives and the lives of people around us. We've demonstrated what happens when we walk in our wisdom and under our leadership as well. We've demonstrated we can't rule ourselves and where our wisdom gets us. Just look at around us when you watch the news. It's getting worse and worse and worse. The Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And so, but that's gonna to come to an end. Remember, John was weeping. He's weeping and all of a sudden, what, what, what was the word on the street? Look, there's the Lamb of God. He's the one that's worthy to take the scroll to open it seals. Why? Because he redeemed not only you and I with his precious blood, but he redeemed this world. He purchased it. And so the, the wicked one and his, and his works will come to an end. Um, every inch of this planet will be under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And so heaven, heaven hears this, and they're, they're, they're shouting, they're proclaiming, they're excited about this. The counterfeit trinity, which is the, which is the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet, during the last three and a half years, 
um, of the tribulation period, they're going to ramp it up because time is short for them. And there'll be many that follow them and go that direction. And, and they will put up a fight to the end. Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and many people, they will put up a fight to the end. Why are they going to put up a fight to the end? Why is Satan going to put up a fight to the end? Because he knows his time is short. It's like, anybody ever been thrown into a pool? You guys ever, anybody ever been thrown into a pool? Yes. Did you just go, oh yeah, throw me in, this is great. You do, what do you do? You try to grab as many people as you can to take them <laughs> with you. Right? If I'm going in, you're going in. And, and I don't mean to make light of this, but that's what Satan is doing. He knows his time is short. He's trying to take as many people as he can down with him. And the seven bold judgments that we're going to read about will be the means of breaking the resistance um, and put an end to wickedness and wicked ones on planet Earth in order to usher in the beauty of heaven, heaven on Earth. And so... Um, Psalm 2, we're going to look at that a little bit later. It speaks of the end of man's rebellion against the Father and the Son. But can I point out something in these verses? It says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And so that's a glorious proclamation of truth that new management is coming. But heaven is saying, saying it like it's already a done deal. It's already done. They, the kingdoms of this world have become the Lord's. It is, it's done. It's accomplished. But they're saying it with absolute certainty. Why? Because it's absolutely true. This proclamation. At this point in the tribulation, it is as good as done. The kingdoms being given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, remember, that was a temptation. That was a temptation that Satan presented to Jesus, wasn't it? You guys remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? Y'all remember that? Yes. Remember what Satan did? Took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms. What does it say? All the kingdoms of this world in a moment's time and the glory of them and said, you can have all this right now if you bow down and worship me. I'll give it to you. And what did Jesus say? He said, no, no way. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And here's the point. Satan was offering a shortcut to the glory. To avoid the pain, to avoid the suffering. You don't need to go the way of the cross. You can have all of this if you'll just bow down and give me your life. And Jesus teaches us something super important with, with what happened there in that temptation. Because the Lord is the only one we should worship and serve, by the way. Amen. But Satan will always offer a shortcut to us. When things are difficult, when things are hard, especially when you're being obedient to God's word and it's difficult, you know what the enemy does? Hey, you don't need, you don't need to stay up under this. You can bail out. You don't need to stay in that marriage. Bail out. Get a new one. Get a new, get a, get a new model. You don't deserve that. You deserve a break today. No, you don't. You need to take up your cross and die to yourself. That's the way to experience life. That's the way to experience the glory of the Lord is when we take up our cross, don't avoid the cross, take up our cross to deny ourselves and to follow Jesus. If we want to experience his resurrection life, then it's death to the self, deny the self, and what's the best part? Follow Jesus. That's where life is found. And so the enemy will always give you a shortcut 
to, to avoid going the Lord's way, to take the easy way out. And the, Lord's, the Lord told us right up front, it will be difficult to follow him. But what did he say? I am, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is he that is in you than, than he that is in the world. And so you, the greatest Christian that ever lived is living in your heart, Jesus Christ, to help you, to, to empower you, to do what he calls you and I to do. What's the second thing that's mentioned here in verse 15? Why are they going bonkers in heaven? What's the next thing? It says that Jesus, the second thing is Jesus will rule and reign for how long? Forever and ever. The end of the world is a good thing. Do you know that this morning? The end of the world is a good thing. The end of sin, suffering, pain, terrorism, human trafficking, the lies, taxes. I'll get an amen here somewhere. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Listen, man's rebellion against God will come to an end. And this is not a temporary change. It is forever and ever. That's good to be reminded of. And the Bible tells us the law, the prophets, the Psalms, the New Testament from end to end. Exodus, if you're taking notes, Exodus 15, 18. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Zechariah 14, 9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. In Daniel, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. Daniel chapter 7. It's mentioned over and over in Daniel that our Lord's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Daniel chapter 7. Here's what Daniel said. Daniel said, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. So the Son comes to the Father. Then to him the Son was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, listen, the Lord's kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. His kingdom is forever and ever. Remember in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, you guys know this verse, right? Isaiah 9, 6, Christmas card verse, or half of it. For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. Who's that speaking of? Jesus. That's right. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Isn't he a wonderful counselor? Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And listen, usually we stop there. Here's, our, here's your killer Christmas card, right? He's the wonderful counselor. Unto us a child is born. Yes, hallelujah, Christmas time. But listen to the rest. Don't miss this. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Can I remind us also in the Gospels, Remember when that angel came to Mary? What was his name? The angel of birth announcements. You guys remember his name? Gabriel came, shows up, and says to Mary, 
He will be great. Speak, well, I'm going to back up. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name. Anybody know? Call his name Jesus. He will be great. Isn't Jesus great, by the way? He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Isn't it great to be a part of his kingdom? this morning. And we don't see it yet, but it's coming. It's coming when he comes to set up his kingdom on this earth. Revelation 19, Jesus will come to set up his kingdom on this earth for how long? Forever and ever, but first for a thousand years, remember millennial kingdom. But yeah, but that's, that's the second part of the question. You guys already, you nailed it. That's good news though, isn't it? And the end of the world is not annihilation of everything, but the beginning of a new world with Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. They talk about a new world order coming. Listen, this is the new world order right here. It's Jesus ruling and reigning. His beautiful kingdom will come. We pray that, don't we? Thy kingdom come. It's going to come. He's going to set up his kingdom. And we get, to, we get the privilege, listen, we get the privilege to serve him now, the honor of serving him now, and then we get to rule and reign with him then. I, what does that even look like? I have no clue, but I can't wait. And he's going to share. So good. So loud voices in heaven make this amazing proclamation. And then this special group of believers, what do they do? They fall out of their thrones, hit the ground, worshiping the Lord. And remember that word worship means to ascribe worth to. They're ascribing worth to the Lord. And when we worship Jesus, we are ascribing worth to him. And it's not just singing some songs on Sunday morning or tuning in on KSBJ, cruising down the road, listening, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wor- it's time for me to worship now. No, we worship, we ascribe worth to him in everything we do. If we're obedient to him, we're ascribing worth. Lord, you're worth it. To obey, to trust him. I'm saying, Lord, you're worthy of my trust when I walk by faith and not by sight. To come on Sunday morning, to come on Wednesday night, to gather together to serve him, to be involved in his work. I'm saying, Lord, you're worth it. That's worship. And he desires that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. And we see here, um, there's this group, 24 elders, as we've seen in our previous studies, 24 seems to be a representative number for the church. Um, And if you don't agree with me, I would go back to Revelation chapter 5. There's only one group of people that can sing that song, by the way, a song of redemption. And by the way, every time we see these songs like we see here this morning in 17 through 18, these were songs the early church sang. This was their hymnal. This was was their worship right here. And so we're going to be singing this song in heaven, so I would encourage you to learn the words. You don't want to look around, at least have some of it. You don't want to be looking around like a bumpkin. Where are you from? Cyprus. Where'd you go to church? Not Calvary Chapel. Don't tell them Calvary Chapel. <laughs> but look at this. Upon hearing this amazing news, these glorious truths, what do the Christians do? They worship. They fall down. They ascribe worth. And I think it's interesting too, before they say a word, they hear this amazing truths, these amazing truths, Before they even open their mouths, 
They're worshiping. They're ascribing worth. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Before, before opening your mouth, do you ever just describe, just say, oh, God, you're so worth it. I love you. Thank you, Lord. There's a gr- deep, deep gratitude amongst these Christians gathered around the throne. And what do they say? Look at the first words that come out of their mouths after this news, after this glorious insight is given. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. They're full of gratitude and thanksgiving. They recognize what? They recognize God's going to wrap this whole thing up, and they are thankful. They are grateful for that. They recognize God's plans are going to come to pass, and they are thankful even though it hasn't happened yet. I think there's a lesson in that for us, isn't there? Are you thankful for God's plans even though it's difficult, even though some of you are going through trials, I know you are. Some of you have asked for prayer. You've come to me and shared. I know some of you are going through, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I just want to remind you, like Peter reminded the early church, the suffering saints, the persecuted pilgrims, those of us passing through, you're going through difficulty, you're going through hardship. Listen, it's the genuineness of your faith is being tested. Your faith is being refined. What does refining do? It makes it more pure and more valuable and reveals that you are the real deal as you hang in there and trust in Jesus Christ. And so we keep trusting even though we don't see it. The Lord said he's working all things together for good, didn't he? For those that love him. Did he give us that promise this morning, gang? Can you praise him when you don't see things happening for good? And just say, Lord, I trust you. I don't feel it. I don't feel like it. But you said it, Lord, before it has even come to pass. And I'm going to thank you and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to continue to worship you no matter what. That's the example we see here. And so they recognize also, notice in this verse, they recognize that what? That uh, in verse 17, we thank, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty. They recognize that God is the Lord, that he's the boss. And not only is he the boss, he's sovereign. He's all-powerful. That's what almighty means. It means he's in charge. He's sovereign over all. I, again, are you giving thanks that he's in control this morning? Are you giving thanks that the, that the Lord is in control this morning? I I hope we are a fellowship, a family, a church that doesn't give off a vibe that makes it seem like God is not in control. You know, Christians do that. We give off this vibe sometimes. Like, man, it's, it's the end of the world and... I'm not doing good. Listen, listen, we can sing, it's the end of the world, and I know it, and I feel fine. (laughs) Why? Because I know the end of the story. (laughs) Lord, thank you. I'm on the winning team. Why? Because you won. You conquered the grave. You've conquered my heart with your love. I will trust you. But so often we give off a vibe that we're biting our nails and panicking, especially when we hoard and hide. I'm not saying be prepared for the next hurricane that may roll through. I'm saying people that are hoarding and hiding and hanging out and work fearful. Things may ramp up in the United States, by the way. You know what that means? We need to press in harder together, gang. 
to love one another, to serve one another. Listen, if you go out into the wilderness and hide out in your bunker, you're not the light of the world anymore. Well, I got an internet ministry, Pastor. You don't know what you're talking about. The internet may get shut down too, bro. What are you going to do then? Are you going to come out of your bunker? Don't hide your light under the bushel. Get it out so all can see. See your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Before time runs out, before the clock runs out, either in your life you take your last breath, you stop sucking air, or the Lord comes for us for a mass evacuation, we need to be about his business. As we see things ramping up around us, getting darker and darker, you and I, let me exhort you, I love you, we need to shine brighter and brighter for Jesus. To say, Lord, you're in control, I trust you. I trust you no matter what, and we walk, the just shall live by faith. And so look what else they say here. They recognize he's the only one who can bring about what the, 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 the kingdoms of this world to an end, to bring heaven to earth. He's in control. And then they say the one who is and who was and who is to come. What do they recognize? What do these Christians recognize? That the Lord is what? He, he's with us. He's always existed, and he's coming. He has no beginning and no end. And then four reasons, four reasons for thanks here. Look what else it says. Because, that's a reason word, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The reason for thankfulness is what God has done. Again, how God has used his great power to bring about his kingdom. And all of this is past tense. And it is good as done. Again, we still have some more tribulation to go through. But from heaven's perspective, they're saying it's a done deal. Jesus even spoke like that, didn't he? On occasion, didn't he? Yeah, maybe, definite maybe. John 16, this is like, I hope this like blesses you guys this morning. John 16, 33, it blesses me to hear this every time. Jesus said, Again, on the night of his betrayal, when he, before he went to the cross, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, small t, but be bummed out most of the time. Is that what it says? Be, be what? Be of good, be of good cheer. Give me one good reason. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. That's before he even went to the cross. Done deal. I've already overcome the world. Give me one good reason to rejoice this morning, to not not be in panic mode, to have peace. Listen, number one, you're going to heaven. Number two, you're not going to hell. You belong to Jesus. He is your shepherd. He's overcome this world. The kingdoms of the world belong to him, although we don't see it right now. It's coming. And he can say this because from his perspective, it's a done deal. And so spoken before it's even accomplished. And so great joy, even though the king is not fully reigning yet physically, he will when he takes his throne on this earth. Verse 18, look at this. The nations were angry. And your wrath has come. The nations were ticked off at God. They provoked him. 
And God's anger, what's the song they're saying? God's anger has finally arrived. He has been patient. Aren't you glad he's patient? He's been merciful, long-suffering, giving people time to repent. In fact, his long-suffering reminds us of that. Second Peter chapter 3, it's his long-suffering. What? So that people would come to, everybody would come to repentance. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on heaven. And he gives people time and he gives people opportunities over and over to repent. But there, again, there's a time that will come when the clock will run out. And if you don't know the Lord this morning, it's not an accident you're here. It's not an accident you're listening online. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his heart, if you hear his word, do not harden your heart. You hear his voice. And so what's man saying? Man is angry. My planet, my choice. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. We made a mess of this place. We've demonstrated we can't rule ourselves. We see the fruit of our own wisdom. We think we know better than God. We think we, think we can pick a fight with God and win. Angry little man dug in, shaking his fist, tries to resist, but finds out that he cannot win in the end. Listen, you cannot pick a fight with God and win. And men have rejected, I say men, mankind. Can you still say that? I did. <laughs> and, and, and men and women have already rejected his rule in their hearts and lives, and we see the fruit of it all around us. Oh, yeah. And man's anger, his fury, is met with God's righteous anger. Psalm 2, let's flip over there real quick. Look at this. Psalm 2. David begins with a question. Why do the nations rage? Does that sound familiar, what we just read? Why do people so, why is everybody so ticked off? Why has everybody got a chip on their shoulder? Why is everybody on edge, angry, bitter? And the people plot a vain thing. What's vain mean? Empty, fruitless, worthless, man plotting against God. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, against the Father and the Son. We're going to see that later in Revelation 19. People dug in thinking they can fight God all the way up to the end. But it happens today, doesn't it? And what do people say? Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Man, what God wants to give you is too heavy, man. He's, he wants to bring you into bondage. He's, got, he's going to tie you up. Listen, can I, can I just tell you something? Jesus is not a bondage bringer. He's a bondage breaker. Amen. And I hear that sometimes. If I, if I follow the Lord, he's going to make it so heavy, so miserable for me. That's a, that's a lie from the enemy. Because Jesus promised life. He said, if you're weary and burdened, you come to him, take your, his yoke upon you and learn from him, for he is gentle and lowly in heart. His yoke is easy. He doesn't want to lay some heavy trip on you. He wants to give you life. 
But people shake their fists. I don't want to surrender. That means all my fun's going to be gone. Listen, your fun's only going to last for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a season. The way of the transgressor is hard. If you want to have, you want to be blessed, you want happiness in your life. Does anybody want to be happy? Yes. Listen to the end of the psalm. I don't have time to expound the whole thing, but look what it says. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. So think about that. Man shaking his fist. We're going to fight God. We're going to fight Jesus, the anointed. No way. And what does God do? What does God do? What does it say? He what? He laughs. Isn't that amazing? He laughs. Anybody here like snakes? No. Is it pretty safe to say most of us don't like snakes too much? We got one snake dude here, reptile dude here. He's not in church. He's out of town, so that's fair to say there's one person that likes him. He gets ticked off when I take him out. He's probably watching online, too. But, like, I get little snakes, and they're, like, they're almost like little worms in my backyard. And they get into my pool, and, and sometimes I open the, what's that thing, the filter cover to clean the thing out, and there, there's the little guy, and what does he do? He puts up his head, and he's going to bite me and hurt me. And, and what do I do? <laughs> Come on, what are you going to do to me, dude? Here comes the claw to get you out. And <laughs> but that's the idea here. Man, thinking he can fight God. And Hosea tells us, Hosea 11, that he's drawing us to himself. If you don't know him this morning, he's drawing you to himself with cords, bands of love. He's saying, look what I did for you, to save you, to rescue you, to give you a fresh start, to give you life, to give you eternal life. I've done it all. You just come to me. I'm drawing you, so come. Come as you are. Let me give you life. But man shakes his fist. God laughs. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, not only coming and giving his life on that hill in Jerusalem, but coming back to set up his rule and reign in Jerusalem. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. So the son is sharing what the father said. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. What was my question a little while ago? Do you guys want to be happy? Blessed means, oh, how happy is the man or woman. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Real simple. Put your trust in him. And so, notice what else it says in Revelation 11. Back to Revelation 11, this song. The nations were angry, your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged... There's an expression of gratitude for the judgment of the dead. The great white throne judgment is coming when all unbelievers will stand before God. Revelation chapter 20, we're going to get to it unless the Lord comes. 
which would be way greater. Unbelievers will stand before God. They're not going to question God. They will be found guilty and sentenced to the lake of fire for all eternity. They will receive the judgment they deserve for the lives they lived. The un, listen, the ungodly may have escaped on earth, but they will not escape God's courtroom. That is coming. Our God is not only love, he is light. And he, the judge of the earth will do what's right. And so um, they will not escape God's courtroom where they will be held accountable before him. Can I remind you this morning, I'm reminding myself that Jesus took the judgment and wrath that we deserved at Calvary so that we would not come into judgment, that we are no longer abiding under his wrath. We are now his children. We belong to him. For Christians, we will not take part in the great white throne judgment, but listen, we will stand at the Bema seat judgment before the Lord, and our works will be judged. And those things that we did for the Lord with what we've been entrusted with, the gifts and callings, the things that he's blessed us with, we will be held accountable for, and the things done motivated by love for our Savior and love for others, we will be rewarded for. So glorious, good news. Listen, we need not fear judgment this morning. Um, it says in 1 John chapter 4, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And so notice the next thing they express gratitude for uh, in this verse. The third thing, they express gratitude for the time of rewards that is coming. Again, God is, God is equal opportunity, y'all. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. Yes. Notice what it says. He's going he's to reward his servants, prophets, saints, all who fear him. And notice the last three words, small and great. No matter what your stature in life, no matter where you're at, you're serving him faithfully, doing things motivated by love for him, motivated by love for others, you will be rewarded. Is that good news this morning? Yes. Is that a good deal? He saves us, rescues us, forgives us, gives us his spirit. He works in and through our lives and then rewards us for what he did in and through us. Wow. Where do I sign up for that deal? Yeah. How awesome is that? All grace. Look what else it says. Last thing. And should destroy those who destroy the earth. And so is God siding with Al Gore and the <laughs> climate change posse here? Is that what I talking about? Those that are destroying the earth, they're going to get destroyed. That word destroy means corrupt. So there's an, there's an expression of gratitude for the removal of wickedness and wicked ones. God will wipe out those who corrupt the earth, those who destroy the earth with moral depravity and moral pollution. Listen this morning, it's not global warming and pollution that's destroying the earth. We don't have an environmental problem. We have a moral problem. And our, our moral problem is endangering the entire planet. Destroying. Wiping out humanity. Man takes God's blessings, what he's blessed us with. 
And listen, I'm not down on being a good steward of the planet. Don't get me wrong. I'm a trash picker upper for Jesus. But what does man do? Man takes God's blessings and trashes the planet with selfishness and sin. Man makes bad choices and the world is grossly affected by it. Man destroys man. We have found new ways to hurt one another, to bring pain into one another's lives. And God, listen, God in his infinite wisdom and his righteousness is going to fix it all. And it's going to, listen, and it's going to take severe measures. All of this, God in wrath, God remembers mercy. There's going to be some pain and ugliness in, in order to bring about the beauty of heaven to this earth. And so look at how it ends, verse 19, as we finish. Oh, right in time. Awesome. Oh, we got another hour? Is that what it says? Sweet. The temple of God. So remember that the, the chapter began with a temple, didn't it? Tribulation temple, unauthorized by God, man-led, man-manufactured. God was not involved in, in the building of that. But now we see the true temple in heaven, or John sees it, right? The temple of God was opened in heaven. John sees the heavenly temple opened up and looking all the way into where? The Holy of Holies. He sees what? The Ark of the Covenant. Indiana Jones looking in the wrong spot. Is that what that means? (laughs) Now, this is the real Ark of the Covenant right here. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence, right, with the children of Israel, Everything associated with the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments and everything, um, reflected what? The holiness of God, the righteousness of God. I believe what's being communicated here in verse 19, as the final bold judgments happen, it's going to flow forth from God's righteousness and God's holiness. And he will keep his word. Isn't it interesting, the Ark of his covenant? God keeps his covenants, God keeps his word. His word will have the final say in human history. Not only will he have the last word, he'll have the last laugh. And I think that should be a comfort to us this morning. Why? Because his word will have the final say in your life too. When you think, oh, I don't know how these promises are going to work out, he will keep his promises to you. No matter what. And this is the only way for the kingdom of heaven to come. And all heaven is grateful for this. They're thankful for this. And notice what happens on planet Earth. Lots of sights and sounds, shaking, lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail will happen on planet Earth. And so as we finish this morning um, with current events that are happening, how do you manage and cope with what you see and hear? Are you fretting? Worry, freak out, angry, ticked off. Are you getting angry and ticked off? You go to the pump, you're sweating, nervous about how much it's going to cost. You got car owner's virus, coroner's virus. Some of you get that later. Just making sure you're still with me this morning. Can I remind you this morning, God's in control. 
He's in control, and this is where he's taking human history, right here. History is his story. It's his story. And as Christians, listen this morning, as his children, we have reason to rejoice and be thankful. Always. Even when things are difficult, when we are suffering, when there is pain. Because that's not the end of the story for you and me. The best is yet to come. And we rejoice. We count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into trials of various kinds. Okay, Lord, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. This stinks. It's gnarly. But I'm going to thank you and praise you regardless. I'm going to count it all joy. Because I'm going to get a chance to see you work again in a special way. Whether it's moving a mountain, parting the water, whatever it is. He's the same God. Listen, he is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. God said in the book of Malachi, I am the Lord. I changeth not. I don't change. And he wants to work in your life and in my life in this season, no matter what you're going through, before the clock expires or before he comes to max out the grace he's given you and me so that when we do stand before him, we would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That is my prayer for you guys, the prayer for myself, that each and every one of us would hear those from the lips of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't know the Lord this morning, you don't know him personally, he wants you to come to know him personally. He loved you so much that he gave his son, sent his son Jesus Christ willingly came and died on the cross for your sins and my sins. He suffered and died and was buried and rose again on the third day. And he does everything he can to make you part of his family. He will not twist your arm. It is your choice. But if you choose to reject him, I'm just going to share with you the best is, the best is not yet to come for you. The worst is to come. I'm not talking about the tribulation. I'm talking about standing before the Lord and being sentenced to eternity, all alone, in the place the, the Bible calls the lake of fire. But here's the deal. When you become part of his family, you become part of his story, history, and it's glorious. That's the glorious part, his story. You get to, you get to partner with him in history, with his work. If not, it's shameful, the shameful part of his history. His word will have the final say no matter what. So make sure, can I encourage you, make sure you're on the right side of God this morning. Most important decision you will ever make. Right? Like the like end of Psalm 2. Fight God and perish or surrender and be blessed. Real simple, isn't it? Trust in him and you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much.